Here in Edwin's van in Northridge, CSUN. Gobble, gobble, Go, mad, go Matadors. Just a reminder, y'all, calories don't count during Thanksgiving. Wear them stretchy Enjoy pants. yourself, please. Mm. Eat. That's true. The Eat only well, holiday be happy. that we get to like, stuff ourselves and not worry about calories. I feel that's what's every one, for What's me. one thing you guys are <laughs> grateful for? What's one thing? It could be one something thing? small. Yeah, it could be something small. Let's see. I am grateful for my car, even though, <laughs> even though it is Me a piece, piece of work, but you know, it has, it has character to it. So, uh, it has thank you for my car for still running throughout all these years. That's, so, you go, Masa Miata 2001. That's the most characteristic car I've ever, I've ever seen, bro. Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah. It keeps running. God. What about you, Philip? What are you grateful for? I'm thankful for friends, honestly. Friends, next, go. <laughs> that TV show was trash, bro. Uh, you just really like that show? No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, it is a good show, but no, just friends in general. Going through a rough patch, you know, in life, you know, in a bit. I could just kiss you right now. <laughs> and like, in, in a spot where I, I could be content if I wanted to, but it's also like I feel like I could do more. And mm-hmm. having friends to talk to, give me advice and yeah, gotcha. reach out. You know, that's what I'm thankful for. Oh yeah, man. Edwin? I'm thankful for my van. You guys are hanging out in my van right now. Yeah. We're doing Think a the first podcast time. in the van. Came in clutch. Alright. Yeah, came in clutch because it's raining outside. Yeah, yeah. So We're locked out of season. Locked out of season. And John? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you? I'm thankful for one thing. I'm thankful for everything, man. Honestly, my 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 life, I'm thankful for everything, to be honest. I'm glad you guys are in my life. I'm glad we're able to do this podcast and after we graduated, we still kept contact with each other. So, yeah. But I'm, I'm thankful for uh, probably athletic training. I'm thankful to be in this field. You know, the relationships I've I've done I've uh, with you guys and uh, other athletes and uh, my colleagues. So, I'm really grateful for you guys, though. Thank you for that, John. So, yes, sir. Um, yes, sir. happy Thanksgiving, yeah. everybody. Yeah, Enjoy. And we'll see you on the next <laughs> episode of Active Variable. Q-in rock and rock and roll music. All right, so in this show, we are going to be talking about athletic training. Yes. Today, in specific, we're going to dive deep into rehabilitation for ankle injuries. All right. Yes. So, first I wanted to start off with the anatomy. Perfect. So, anatomy of the ankle joint, which involves the foot and then the lower leg. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, the ankle joint is what's it called? The mortise um, joint. The mortise joint, exactly. The mortise. And uh, that's that uh, comes from a uh, carpentry, a mortise and tendon joint. So, the mortise is the um, fibula and the tibia. And that's more of like the, the concave uh, area. And then the, the talus, uh, which actually inserts in between the tibia and the fibula, is the tendon. And that fits perfectly like uh, in a carpenter's joint. You can look at a, a mortise tendon joint. So th- that's what uh, the ankle joint is called in uh, you know more broad terms. <clears throat> but and we could dive more into the anatomy of what makes up actually the ankle joint yeah. itself. Well, yeah, so, so the lower leg is the tibia fibula. Mm-hmm. 
how you mentioned, then you have a talus. Under mm -hmm. that, you have the calcaneus. Yeah. Keep moving <clears throat> forward. We have the uh, navicular. We have the cuboid. Mm -hmm. Then we have the um, cuneiforms. Mm -hmm. And then we have the phalanges. Right, Correct, so yeah. we're talking about mm -hmm. or metatarsals and then phalanges, and so that's those are the bones, and then on top of that we have, or in between that we have joints. On top of that mm -hmm. we have the muscles, yeah, nerves, and and all of that. True. Um, so <clears throat> most common injuries that we see at the ankle joint, that would An be ankle sprains, ankle for sprains. sure. Mm -hmm. So the ankle, technically, there's two joints. Um, one is the talocrural joint, and that's the actual. Uh, mortis tendon joint, but it's called talocrural joint in a more medical terminology. And what movements do those? It's uh, plantar flexion, in charge of plantar flexion and dorsiflexion. And the joint below that is called the um, subtalar joint, which is between the calcaneus and the talus. Is in, is primary movements of that is inversion and eversion. Right. So those two joints make up those four motions, and that's why you can get like a kind of like a rotation, right? But it's not a true rotation at, at the ankle joint. Right, yeah, yeah, definitely. So it's not uh, it's not like a ball and socket joint like the hip or the yeah, shoulder. exactly. Right, but we can still get circular movement yeah. on that with some limitations to like eversion. Of course. Right? Yeah. Uh, and so that's why eversion is usually uh, less at risk because <clears throat> there's, there's more stability mm -hmm. on eversion. Yeah. Like if you lift up your foot in the air, your, your foot rests in kind of like an inverted position. So that also, um, I guess, takes into account with uh, more ankle sprains being on the more lateral side as compared to the medial side. We could go over uh, some of the muscles that control the, the foot and the ankle. So we're talking about the muscles in the, in the ankle. So you have the fibularis, and then you also have, like, the Achilles. That's part of it. You even have the extensors that go on the anterior portion of the foot. And you also have uh, the tibialis anterior and which deals with dorsiflexion. So the main motions of the ankle are like eversion, inversion, plantarflexion, dorsiflexion. So maybe talk about those muscles that are in charge of those four main motions. And Anyways. just to, to like, I guess, simplify a little mm -hmm. bit, dorsiflexion and plantarflexion is your foot going up and down. So like if you're pressing on a gas pedal in a car, that's when you're pressing down, that's plantarflexion. Mm -hmm. And then when your foot comes back up and off the pedal, that's dorsiflexion. Mm -hmm. And then inversion is when your foot goes inside towards the middle of your body, so towards your big toe. Mm -hmm. Eversion is when it goes outside of the body where the pinky toe is. So then with plantar flexion, when we're pressing down on the gas pedal, what would be the muscles we're using for that? Cachonemius and soleus. Right, and then mm -hmm. those um, turn into the Achilles tendon. Yeah, mm -hmm. you agree. Right, and that goes under or behind the calcaneus. Mm -hmm. So right. uh, then <clears throat> muscles responsible for pulling the foot up would be the tibialis anterior. Mm -hmm. um, then if we want to work on uh, eversion, um, muscles that you want to target are the peroneals. And then for inversion, you would work on tibialis posterior. And then the peroneals are the ones that go on the outside of your leg, right? Eversion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. just to clarify. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I feel uh, before we get, in, uh, we're going into muscles, uh, but you talked about ankle sprain, right? Mm -hmm. So and just to even kind of <coughs> go just with the ligaments, uh, well, we can talk about the most common ones. So ankle sprain would be a lateral ankle sprain. So when we yeah. talk about lateral, it's going to be on the outside. 
Or inversion ankle sprain. Inversion, yeah. lateral ankle sprain. Yeah, same um, thing. So, yeah, inversion just talks about the movement of how the ankle sprain occurred. Exactly. Lateral meaning it's the pain or the injuries on the outside. Yeah. So if we're looking at it, <coughs> let's say uh, if you guys can look or kind of imagine like that big ball, that's your lateral mal, malleolus of your ankle. And there are three, basically, there's a whole bunch of ligaments and retinaculum, so that's that's kind of going above this. But uh, the three ligaments you're looking out for are the ATFL, uh, CFL, and then PTFL. So ATFL is going to be towards the uh, anterior side of your ankle, which stands for anterior tibiofibular ligament fibular, yeah. and then um, CFL is going to be uh, calcaneofibular ligament, and then PTFL is going to be same thing, just posterior. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the those are the ligaments that w- could be exposed to injury, either all of them or just uh, or a single one. It just depending on your uh, evaluation. So wherever it hurts or wherever it's kind of you feel like it's more loose. So um, yeah, like I said, just depends on what who or your clinician kind of finds and then medial side of the inside of your foot or the the big balls at is going to be your deltoid ligaments so that one is kind of there's a lot more ligaments and more stability places so that's why there's not too much volume of injuries that occur mm-hmm. for people there uh, but injuries can happen there yeah. and then one of the other ones that are kind of hard to deal with are the high ankle sprains so that's going to be the ligament that holds your tibia and your fibula together yes. and it sits right on top of the talus so that's called your syndesmotic ligament there's a high ankle sprain like uh joseph mentioned and it's also called the syndesmotic sprain those are harder to deal with because when you step down since that ligament is uh, either torn or stretched beyond anatomical limit as you press down the tibia and the fibula open up so that mortise joint is opening up and that's what kind of prevents uh, people from walking due to pain and obviously instability. So that's kind of like an injury that's harder to deal with. I do not have much experience, probably like maybe two syndesmotic sprains since they they don't happen very often. I can talk about (laughs) rehab or just basically like even just taping someone, Mm -hmm. it's just like putting more emphasis on closing that gap. Yeah, and I I know I've I've used uh, leuco tape Leuco tape could exactly. help, yeah. yeah, to just close and mm-hmm. uh, compress that uh, the tibia and the fibula together mm-hmm. to keep it from opening up again. Yeah, but it's just I feel like it's just more. It's gonna take a little bit longer, obviously. Mm-hmm. So, being careful when they when they do go into uh, dorsiflexion, <laughs> plantar flexion. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's all I've really had in terms of that. Just taping and uh, just being cautious with movements. Like if it if it hurts, yeah. just kind of stay away from it. Yeah. And be cautious. Those are definitely two of the more <clears throat> common injuries to see at the ankle. So what if somebody sprains, <clears throat> let's say they sprain their ankle, they get mm-hmm. an uh, inversion ankle sprain. The first thing that we as athletic trainers need to find out is what grade is it? Grade mm-hmm. one, grade two, grade three. Yeah. So a grade one would typically be, there would be some kind of pain. Uh, your your ankle would feel a little more loose than normal, mm-hmm. but you can still walk with the pain. It's kind of like on a pain scale of one to ten, it's probably like a one to three, and then maybe uh, depending on your pain scale, I don't know how your your pain tolerance would be, but grade two would be about half of 
of the ligament being torn so a little more instability and a little more loose in your uninjured ankle that tends to hurt a little more it would be even more difficult to walk on you probably see some bruising there right yeah. definitely right. bruising uh immediate swelling for sure and maybe some some redness yeah like what you chose mm -hmm. saying and in grade three it's a complete <clears throat> tear of the ligament that's where walking can be pretty impossible at that point mm. and that's that's when you would see the bruising a lot of bruising a lot of swelling i feel like because i've heard of different stories where because it's a it's a grade three so that means that's a full tear of the ligaments and that means like the sensor receptors are they're basically gone yeah. so sometimes people don't even feel the pain right like there it's would just you, it's not existed but i mean some other people it pain is like a whole different story but has your athletes ever mentioned any popping with the, with the grade three at all or if you well, have you, you experienced it well even grade one athletes experience popping snapping you would I, I, yeah i usually well i mean all the time you know athletes i mean i just had a sprained ankle yesterday i'm uh, pretty sure you player. feel the roll or something yeah like yeah, that. yeah i ask them do you feel like a snap crackle pop you know kind of rice krispies and, and i asked them do you feel did you feel anything right and um yesterday the athlete didn't mention either of those right and she knew she sprained her ankle but still gonna go through my evaluation just to make sure but um yeah it does depend because some athletes do say oh man it was worse this is the worst ankle sprain in my life and like a week later they're kind of back to normal so Especially if that's mm -hmm. their first injury exactly yeah yeah <laughs> and if they chronic ankle sprains they're, they're going to be more lax mm -hmm, so it's, yeah. it's definitely important to check bilaterally but yeah it does uh it's not definitely not black and white for it, most athletes i mean there are some athletes <laughs> that have like a grade two and then they play like they get injured in the first quarter of a basketball game and then they play the whole the whole game with that injured foot and then they're perfectly fine and then there are times where people have a grade one sprain and then they can't play or even walk on it yeah and i i had an, int an interesting case yesterday not the girl who sprained her ankle but a, uh, a basketball another basketball player who did sprain her ankle about a month ago like november 2nd something like that i wasn't there for initial evaluation i just i just met her yesterday and uh, i did a little evaluation and i couldn't really do it because she was in pain it was more on the bony bony parts so on her lateral malleolus which is the fibula and um yeah i couldn't really do much right and then i was kind of concerned because she couldn't really she didn't have full range of motion and she was you know she couldn't do it due to pain it was more uh inversion and plantar flexion and she did have some swelling but like nothing significant and no gross deformity right and about upon palpation i didn't feel anything that was out of place but she still had pain so then i recommended taking an x-ray because due to her pain and mm -hmm. it's been a month already right and it's probably like a, a grade one right from what i've talked to her about in that case it was an interesting case because i don't have many ankle sprains that maybe take a month month to recover especially if it's grade one right i've and had it you had like with uh, my <clears throat> athlete the issue with that particular person it's just they were on crutches for a good week mm -hmm. when they didn't have to be and okay. the doctor recommended that she that they uh be on crutches for another uh, oh, week wow. so for a total of two weeks and i looked at the wow. athlete i was like you do not need to be on crutches i'm gonna take you off to crutches i'm gonna give you an ace wrap to because the swelling was still there because yeah. they haven't moved that ankle oh no it's gonna stay there it's gonna stay there because yeah. there was just no movement and they're not putting any type of uh like weight bearing on it or anything so mm. um so it like i felt like that took uh longer than it should have so oh, it took about okay. a, um, about a month but even then they were still experiencing 
and ankle instability. Mm-hmm. So I had to tape them up all the time. And I was talking about this with my supervisors, and they're mm-hmm. just saying how it's just um, like what's an ankle sprain, it's just not going to be the same. So yeah. they're always going to deal with instability, some type of weakness, mm-hmm. balance problems. So it's just having a long term treatment with that rehab. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so that's a perfect segue into, okay, so we got an ankle sprain now. Mm-hmm. So for rehab, how do we get that started? Right now they got some pain, some discoloration, mm-hmm. some swelling. Yeah. So what are our next steps for that? This break is brought to you by audibletrial.com slash active. If you like listening to podcasts like this one, you can also listen to books related to sports, video games, health and wellness, and anything, really. I am currently listening to a book called Showboat, The Life of Kobe Bryant. I grew up watching him play in the early 2000s and also followed all of his basketball accomplishments. But listening to this book while I drive through the LA traffic has been an interesting adventure to say the least. His roots of hard work start at such a young age, it's no wonder he is one of the best to ever play. If you are curious about the life of other athletes like myself, or snakes like Black Mambas, then go to audibletrial.com active to get your free book to listen to. All right, let's get back to the podcast. You, when there's swelling, the goal is to you know decrease that swelling and decrease the pain, right? And you can only do so much of athletes in pain, especially sharp shooting pain. Just the onset is is right away when the movement is occurring. But assuming that we decrease pain and our pain is really uh, is more minimal at this point, we could start by decreasing swelling by giving them a ace bandage, compression, some kind of compression to decrease the swelling, elevating that body part as well. And give some simple exercises, just some movement at that joint, especially at the ankle. We can do uh, ABCs. So drawing the ABCs with your big toe while, while moving at the ankle, you could set up a work rest ratio with them, different sets, you know, it, it depends, right? But usually I like doing three to four sets, just like I like getting a lot of movement in there, light load. Can you describe like what an ABC is for them? Just draw with your big toe. I mean, you're moving at the ankle, but like using the big toe as like, the pointer mm-hmm. you know just try to draw the abc's the alphabet abc yeah. you know yeah and yeah. If, if that's hard to visualize just do circles with your yeah. ankle in the yeah. air counterclockwise yeah. clockwise then pretend you're pressing on yeah. a gas pedal up and down yeah exactly right yeah. so the goal is just to move the ankle yeah. joint so that, so that it doesn't stiffen up so that way the swelling doesn't <clears throat> stay in the ankle yeah. capsule in that joint we want it to move yeah we want it to get out of there so that healing starts to happen yeah and we use movement to stimulate the lymphatic system and that's how uh effusion uh, we're getting that muscle pump <laughs> we're pumping that muscle we're trying to get that swelling out so that's how we use exercise as kind of like a therapeutic modality to get that swelling out yeah. and get that muscle pump you know what i've used actually because we have a cold tub so we'd actually do like abcs in the cold tub mm-hmm. with the foot so yeah. not only because they're getting that numbing effect so yeah. now they're able to actually do the movement. So they're getting that muscle pump pain. without yeah. experiencing the pain. Like it. So that's one yeah. thing I was like, whoa, I, I like that. You yeah. know, yeah. Just, that's good. just for early stage, you know. I mean, yeah. you could Very even early. do it if you have like a tub at home and then you can fill it up, put some ice in there. And then you can do those ABCs at home as well. 
cryokinetics. Cryokinetics. Yeah. I was going to say that. Yeah. You're on it, man. And so that's the movement part. And also try to incorporate some some standing. So some uh, weight-bearing. Okay. Yeah, some weight shifts. So that's uh, standing on both legs. And you can use, like, a table to help you assist. So it's uh, assisted uh, weight shifts. So you can put both hands on the table and both feet on the ground. And just, you know, sway side to side. Kind of move within a, a free, a pain-free range of motion. Just try to get some more stability and use your intrinsic muscles of your foot and just have your ankle get used to that weight-bearing load again that healthy people should have. And I, I kind of see that as a test. The more you're able to weight-bear, the more you can progress. Mm-hmm. If you're still having pain just putting 50% of your body weight mm-hmm. on your injured foot, then then you can't really progress. Yeah. Right, you gotta continue to do weight bearing, continue to do your range of motion, continue to get the swelling out, and then try and progress from that. Yeah. But also, I like to talk to them about what kind of pain they're experiencing, because if somebody says pain, oh, it hurts, it hurts. I'm like, okay, well, what what kind of hurt? Like, is it shooting? Is sharp? Right. If it's sharp, we kind of want to stay away from that. But if it's more, is achy or soreness or kind of like a burning, like you're actually working a muscle, because when you work a muscle, you get some sort of burning sensation. It depends, right? So I like to communicate that. Uh, with the athletes I work with. And, you know, if, if it's not sharp pain, then, you know, we go a little bit more into it. And, and for the most part, in most cases, the pain kind of goes away as we start just moving more. But if it increases, then we obviously stop. Or if it stays the same, then we either regress our exercise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So so now we've gotten past a little bit of that. Not their weight bearing 100%. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> swelling is very minimal. There's no mm-hmm. discoloration. Okay. Right? So, so now what are some... Ho- exercises that are a little bit harder and that continue to progress into the next rehab phase so we're done with pain and swelling we can kind of control that okay now we're up to range motion and strength okay so i guess the first thing i i thought i was doing squats because there is some dorsiflexion that goes with the squat mm-hmm. if you can do body weight squats like you can try doing quarter quarter of the weight down and then if that works you can probably do halfway down and then after that, if you can if confident in that, you can go to like full 90 squatting. I like doing some variations of calf raises. So oh, yeah, uh, calf raises on a slant board, or whether it be double leg, single like a, leg. Or staircase, right? Yeah, yeah, or assisted. But one I do like doing is is um, you have your hands up against the wall. Your The affected leg, affected foot is in back of you. So you're starting at a more dorsiflex position, right? And then you just uh, calf raise from there. And I find that's a little more difficult because it does involve a little bit of stability. And obviously uh, it's more uh, range that you're uh, working from dorsiflexion to full plantar flexion. So I do like that. And also uh, doing a lunge with the affected foot out in front and doing a calf raise in that position. I see that as a test as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like you start with double leg calf raise yeah and if there's some pain then you're limited to yeah. what you can do if there's no pain with double leg calf raise and obviously you can progress to do more complex exercises mm-hmm. and then you can try single leg calf raise with the injured leg mm-hmm. and and so to me i i see that as test to see how much you can push the, yeah. the athlete and then that's how you know to regress or progress exactly. your exercises or move on to a completely different exercise yeah you got range of motion mm-hmm. we got strength they got no pain no awesome. discoloration. So now, let's say it's a basketball player. Okay. We're going to be working more on getting them back to their sports mm-hmm. and getting them to do 
closer to sports specific drills. So we're gonna work on agility and yeah, yeah. and all of that. So so what what are some exercises that you guys? Do? Well, first, all, these exercises are just like part of like a, a program or a rehab program that you can do. I mean, this isn't a complete rehab program, so don't like take all this and you know do it on your own. But uh, it's just part, right? And things that we've uh, dealt with and experienced in. But I want I want to hear Joe, what Joe says to say since he does work more with uh, men's basketball. Mm-hmm. I mean, before I would even go with agility, uh, just testing out their balance, so doing single leg balance mm-hmm. stuff, uh, and even just playing with their center of gra- uh, center of mass. So mm-hmm. giving them a basketball and then having them play around with it while they're in a single leg uh, position. Another one could be they could be on an unstable surface, just making sure they're in, in a safe position to do so. So making sure someone's next to them or they're next to a wall just in case they fall, but they can kind of go either on like on a foam surface or on a bozu ball. Uh, they can play catch with the basketball. So kind of playing things with, with that, with the objects, you know, and then transitioning more into what Edwin was saying, agility, change of direction. So I'd probably start off with just, you know, having a basketball, having them just dribble, simple stuff. Probably putting some cones out and then having them dribble around the cones. And then probably also do some like single leg hops, double leg hops, and just like uh, you guys were saying, just testing. Just always, I'm always at constantly asking, it's like, okay, did that hurt? I'm like, okay, it doesn't hurt. And then I look at their form if they're compensating. Because what if they're trying to hide the pain, but they just want to get through the test because they want to mm-hmm. be back as fast as they can? Yeah. So you're always looking at compensations, their faces, like yeah. if they're grimacing and things like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's what I would do. Kind of just kind of do more dribbling drills uh maybe even some defensive stuff so even going uh, not only going like lateral you know like uh playing defense going from side to side but going forward backward and then turning into like a 3d or like a three-dimensional type of drills where they're going at 45 degrees of cutting or or adding some rotation to it in a single like balance so yeah there's so many different variations and then also getting them back, even in the rehab, like having them shoot, because they're going to be out from playing. So, you know, giving them some drills to even just uh, shoot at the elbows, jogging back and forth. And yeah. some suicides. Yeah. And, and before any of this, you want to make sure a patient can walk pain-free. Yeah. And, uh, and, and potentially jog pain-free. Running is, running is a different story. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah running will yeah. probably be more into, like, a sports-specific. Yeah, exactly. And um, uh, to go off what Joseph said about balance, I do like a star star excursion balance test. So like multiple directions of having the affected leg be your main leg you're standing on and just pointing your toe, reaching out in different directions. I do like that. It, it works uh, your ankle in different uh, motions in, in your body, right? And it works on your proprioception and uh, your stability. Um, so that's yeah, so nothing I like doing. And also on like a, a what's it called? An uneven surface, like uh, the Airx pad. Uh, I have them do uh, their leg all the way up. So their hip and their knee are 90 degrees, the unaffected and obviously the affected leg is on the Airx pad balancing. And I either have them before like a basketball. Basketball is a, a good stimulus. Then I have their arms on the side and then have their arms bring them out to the side, up again, you know, kind of something a little remedial. And then mm-hmm. I, instead of that, to progress that, have their arms out and then that's when they move their head, you know, changing their eyes because you use your eyes for a lot of your... Um, you're balancing. Shout out to yeah. Dunford. Dunford, exactly. Elevate I, I, performance on Elevate Instagram. Performance on Instagram. Great page to follow. 
I get a lot of, a lot of uh, rehab ideas. A lot of mobility him. stuff. Yeah, exactly. Hip, ankle, a lot of stuff. So shout out to him. He was supposed to be my preceptor. My second semester, <laughs> my, my last semester. No one cares. <laughs> my second, my last semester, he was supposed to be my preceptor. I got chose for USC. But ended up not being a clinical site. And I went to Pepperdine, which shout out to AJ. You know, hey, AJ. How's it going? Um, no, I love Pepperdine. But USC, I was supposed to go there. Right. But anyways. <laughs> anyways, yeah. yeah. So that's the end for that phase. So I think just one thing to point out here is that with any athlete, our goal is to get them back into their sport as quick as possible. So even if they're not able to even jog yet because they're still in pain, we can take them to the court, have them shoot <clears throat> free throws. Mm-hmm. Because with free throws, they're getting kind of like that quarter squat and then shooting the free throw. There's no jumping. There's no jogging involved, but they're back in the court shooting free throws, so they they feel like they're coming back, right? And that I think just motivates them to continue to do this like medial exercises mm-hmm. to get them to the point where they can jog, and then once they're able to jog with no pain, they can start to do the change of direction, yeah. and they can do a little bit more sport-specific drills. And then once we're done with these phases of balance, change of direction, agility, then we can start working on jumping and double yeah, leg yeah. jumping and single leg jumping. Mm-hmm. And so for me, like one of the testing exercises <clears throat> that I like to do for for that, for jumping is, Steve Gregg showed me this one, right? So the 3D lunges where you're going into a forward lunge, a lateral lunge, reverse lunge on both legs, right? Your injured one is the, st- the stabilizing one and your uninjured is the one that's moving forward for the lunge, okay. to the side for the lunge or to the back for the lunge, and then you switch. And then your injured one is the one that's going forward. So you have to eccentrically load it when you land yeah. and you have to push off. So once you're able to get past those exercises or that exercise, at least the 3D lunge, then you can start to, to already prepare for jumping. Okay, now let's get double leg jumping. And then with jumping, it's just small jumps in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then little by little, you, you jump higher and higher and higher. And then you get <clears> single leg jumps. And then once we're done with that, then you can really put push them into sport specific drills mm-hmm. you know i've seen um like with thick elastic bands assisted jumping or assisted like mini hops where the band is hanging from somewhere and then they have their elbows in in the bands or it could be their hands whatever yeah that band just helping them accept the load as they jump because you know yeah yeah so i was interesting yeah. uh, i haven't used it at all i haven't seen it in person i just saw it on social media so, yeah, so a, a lot of stuff I see on social media, but also, like, you got to take it with a grain of salt because not everything works on social media. Yeah, rehab yeah. isn't, you know, yeah. black and white. It's it's yeah. a complex thing. Yeah, exactly. So, you, you know, it's good to try it on yourself first if you are thinking about it and, uh, you know, implementing it in your clinic or to certain athletes. And there are some athletes where you cannot, you know, do certain things. And there are other athletes that are more capable of doing them that you're, you're 100% confident that, you know, you like this new thing would work or they're willing to try something there yeah 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 definitely so so then the last mm-hmm. phase would be just actually getting them back into the basketball team getting them into the non-contact drills first so that they're getting their conditioning back and then once they get good with that then we get them back into full practice mm-hmm. order some drills that you guys find fun for them getting them into like that <clears throat> sport specific last phase of rehab I so, just have but, them do, like, regular basketball drills, like, layups for yeah. more speed, mm-hmm. uh, shooting drills. Like, I'm pretty sure that you can ask coaches. Like, coaches are a good resource for drills. Yeah, so, exactly what I was going to say. 
doing that uh, can help you out with just a numerous amount, and then you can you can get, kind of just tailor it to however you want. But like Edwin says, like your goal is for return to play, but non-contact, depending on the, the position of the player. So if this is a point guard, you would run more point guard type drills, like running off of a screen and things like that. So, but if it's like a big man, you want to see if they can even get in the post position, like working on their footwork. Because that's another thing, like whether they're going to be a split stance and then they jump, switch, and then shoot. So things like that that you would want for non-contact. I would work on probably the, their jumping, like going for a rebound or something. Because, I mean, their eyes are in the their air, hands are in drills, the air. Yeah. Exactly, some rebound drills. Try and get them back to doing those rebounds because, I mean, that's how ankle sprints happen. You're going for a rebound, you're not looking at your foot, and then you step on somebody's Wait. foot, and then yep. there you go, blah, ankle sprain. Yeah. So definitely that. I haven't get used to, you know, accepting that load being more yeah in that position for sure yeah and so so then that's still kind of like a one-on-one thing where we're still working individually yeah. with the athlete but once we're able to see yeah they, they look good they're eccentrically loading properly they don't have any pain they're doing really well on the rehab so then we get them back into <coughs> regular practice just with maybe limited time we're testing to see how they feel with the contact and then after that, the last step is actually getting them into full practice and then actually competition and games. Yeah. But yeah, when it comes to once we allow them to go back into full contact and practice, then definitely like three on three, one on one, like all of that, we'll get yeah. their conditioning back, them feeling good about being part of the team again. Yeah, definitely. You can even have them up at practice doing their own rehab, although it would be ideal to supervise them while doing the rehab, right? Yeah. yeah, just depends. Yeah, it, yeah, mm-hmm. definitely depends. Also, bringing them back to like full contact practice stuff like that, you could limit their time. Like, okay, only play ten minutes, something like that, for a practice. Right in a game, that's I guess you could just communicate with the coach, right, the amount of time, and depending on their level, like of cardiovascular fitness, depending if they can actually last that long. Assuming that we've uh, maintained that cardiovascular fitness throughout the whole rehab process. So it's important to obviously keep that, especially in basketball, where I mean you're always running, you're always, you know, it's soccer, basketball, mm-hmm. football, not only, baseball, not baseball. <laughs> I mean, it's important to keep that up, but I mean you're not running all the time. Yeah, it's more like just moments of uh, hypers of speed. So, so that's uh, a deep dive into our rehab for uh, sprained ankle. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to kind of get a feel for how this would work. I think it depends on who's listening to this podcast, but. Uh, if it is people that are not athletic trainers, mm-hmm. that are maybe just athletes or regular people, I feel like this can bring a lot of value to them to at least get an idea of, of what the rehab looks like, what anatomy looks like, and, and all of that, so that they at least know a little bit about their body, rather than yeah. like trying to go on Google, they can yeah. just listen to this podcast, and, and we can help them a little bit understand what's going on with their healing process. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. So this is a new thing that we're trying and if you guys like this <laughs> new setup that we have or not just let us know all right well there you have it episode seven of the active variable podcast as you can tell we recorded this episode on thanksgiving day and inside of my van anywhere or anytime we are making this happen our goal with these episodes where we dive deeper into athletic training topics is to educate people who are looking for this kind of information and also for us to continue to learn and challenge ourselves to remember what we worked hard for during our time in the athletic training program 
because it is definitely not for the weak. All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed this athletic training topic and stay tuned for the next episode. As always, remember to stay active. Thank you.